What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith from ESPN. This is former world champion boxer Showtime Sean Porter. Hey, this is Booby Gibson. I'm Josh Cruz. Hi, this is Joe Tate, voice of the Cleveland Cavaliers. And you're listening to Sports Power Talk. You listen to Sports Power Talk. And keep listening, or it'll be wham with the right hand. Ladies and gentlemen, live from the University of Akron, WZIP Sports presents... The best sports talk show this side of Lake Erie. No question, with all due respect. This is Sports Power Talk. With the latest in sports news. Your Akron Zips are the 2022 MAC champions. The Zips have defeated the Kent State Electric Chicken. In-depth analysis. Astrology for women is equal to what Joe Rogan is for men. <laughs> have you ever tried DMT? <laughs> and of course, the hottest takes. He's just bad. Let me tear your labrum and you can go on the... You know what? (laughs) It's only a game. Why you have to be mad? Just the same old Browns! You know, bro. Hard run pitch. I think that was textbook top cheese. Cleveland! This is for you! From the best that Ohio sports has to offer... To the best of the Akron Zips. Now, it's time for SPT. Ladies and gentlemen from Northeast Ohio and beyond, you're listening to the best sports talk show there is, was, and ever will be Sports Power Talk live from the University of Akron is back in your life. My name is Jake Murrin and I'll be the host of the show today. We of course took last Sunday off for Easter and we hope you got a great Easter Sunday if you celebrate. Hopefully you didn't miss us too much but I can guarantee that we missed all of you and talking on these airwaves to you on a beautiful Sunday morning here. As expected on Sports Power Talk I'm joined by two great analysts but unfortunately two Pittsburgh fans. I don't know if we've done this trio before. <laughs> hey, you're outnumbered this time. First, he's the biggest Zips fan I know, and he's just as passionate about the sport of baseball as I am. It is Pat Weber. Good morning, Akron. And second, this man is also a Zips loyalist, and we'll keep count of how often he says the words box out on today's show. It's Casey Rush. <laughs> I hope you have a counter because it's good. I'm going to be saying that a lot today. Yeah, well, we'll keep count. If I don't keep count, you know Jake Murnigo will at least keep count on Twitter. So we'll we'll keep count of that throughout today's show. (laughs) And here's what you can expect from Sports Power Talk today. In an hour and a half, we'll talk about the latest headlines in the MLB. Are we still on board with the MLB rule changes? And what concerns do we have about the Cleveland Guardians to start the season? We'll answer both of those questions to end today's show. Prior to that, we'll get to as many NFL headlines as possible. There hasn't been a ton of buzz around the league, but there are certain things we can talk about, especially when it comes to the Cleveland Browns. While there might not be a ton of buzz surrounding the NFL, the NBA is in full gear right now. We'll break down the play-in tournament, the Cavs-Knicks series, and the rest of the playoff field in half an hour. To start today's show, we're going to talk about a subject that we haven't talked about in about a month or so. By the way, we'll answer all your hot mic questions from our Twitter page at WZIP Sports here shortly as well. But I mentioned that I'm joined by two huge Zips fans and things have happened to both our women's and men's Zips basketball teams in the past two weeks, in the past month, since we talked about them last. So let's talk Zips sports, shall we? Let's talk about Xavier Castaneda as he declared for the 2023 NBA draft in his statement on social media. He said coming to play for John Gross in Akron was one of the best decisions he had made, and he sees his dream coming true as he enters his name in the 2023 NBA draft. Pat, I'll throw it over to you first. 
You're the biggest Zips fan I know. I introduce you as that every single time you're on these airwaves. Xavier Castaneda entering the drafts. Does he get drafted, and what do you think about the decision? Uh, first of all, congratulations to X for declaring for the NBA draft. I know this is, you know, we always talk about it. This is one of the biggest stages that you can put your name into, one of the biggest uh, things that can happen in an athlete's life. Um, so I just want to congratulate him first. You know, fantastic career here at Akron, and I do expect him to get drafted in the draft. I know that um, a lot of people, a lot of uh, draft analysts might look at him and say he's a little bit undersized for his position. And while that might be true since he does play, uh, the two, uh, he is a little bit undersized for that position, but I see no reason why you don't take a, uh, a reach for him. Uh, I know he'll go in the second round uh, if he does get drafted, and I just think he's the perfect reach. Like All you need is to get him in a facility, get him some better ball handling, and I see no reason why he couldn't be a dominant guard. Uh, he was one of the top 10 leading scorers in all of the NCAA, leading the state of Ohio in points per game throughout the season. Uh, he makes almost anything. If he catches fire, he's on fire. We've seen it day in and day out, especially against Kent State when they came here. Uh, I just see no reason why he doesn't get drafted in this draft. Like I said, second round, good prospect. I see no reason why uh, any NBA team would want to pass up on X. And I think that given a few years, if he does get drafted, uh, he could be one of the biggest names we see in the, around the league. Yeah, Pat, and to your point, he ranked fourth in offensive efficiency among high-volume scorers in the NCAA. Very impressive player. I'll give my thoughts here shortly on that. Casey, I'll go to you, for, go to you next, though. Yeah, during his five years in Akron, X has only gotten better, especially shooting-wise. And unlike Pat, I don't think he's going to be drafted this year, but I can totally see him going in as an undrafted free agent, maybe spend some time in the NBA G League, and... Yeah, he has a lot of potential to do something beautiful. And I just hope he really does get a chance at the highest level because he absolutely deserves it. Yeah, that's the hope for everybody up here at WZIP Sports and in the Akron area. And I do agree with you, Casey, because I have a rule when it comes to Akron Zips being drafted in the NBA. I'm pretty sure you're familiar with this rule, Pat. It's if Lauren Christian Jackson didn't get drafted then who's going to get drafted? Right. I mean, LCJ is one of the best basketball players to ever play for the University of Akron, and he wasn't even able to be drafted. I know he was also undersized, and there's a lot to go into his case, but Xavier Castaneda, I just don't see it happening again. I think he could shine in the G League, maybe play overseas like LCJ is right now, but the biggest thing for Xavier Castaneda is he's just too one-dimensional. He's too much of a scorer, and for a point guard last year, only averaging three assists per game, that's not going to translate very well to the NBA when you're playing against guys who are tougher, stronger, faster than you are, or at least the competition that you're used to playing against. I don't see it working out immediately. I'm not saying it couldn't work out in the future. I could very well see a guy like Xavier Castaneda developing into a solid bench piece down the line for an NBA squad, maybe a sixth man of the year even. I think that's probably his ceiling, but right now... I unfortunately don't see a guy like Xavier Castaneda getting drafted. But again, we do wish him all the best as we wish this next player the best on this Akron Zips men's basketball team. Enrique Freeman, gotta love him. He also declared for the 2023 NBA draft. He does maintain his college eligibility to return to Akron, so that's really important. If he doesn't get drafted, he will be back playing at James A. Rhodes Arena next year. Pat, if you were to predict what happens with Enrique here, what do you think? I know, so what I want to happen, it's going to sound super selfish, but I, I'm i kind of hoping that he doesn't get drafted so right. he can just come back for 
one more year. Um, however, out of uh, the two zips that did declare for the draft, I do realistically think that, although, like I did say, I, I do think X does have the possibility of getting drafted, um, Enrique does have the higher chance of getting drafted, uh, if either one of them do. Of course, uh, again, Enrique, if he would get drafted, I would see him going second round, probably middle of the pack. Uh, if he does get drafted, I think that uh, Enrique declaring for the draft definitely surprised me a little bit, but... You know, I I think that he has the chance to get drafted now. And while I know Zips fans everywhere, we want him back for just one more season. Uh, the biggest congratulations to Enrique from walk on to now entering his name in the 2023 NBA draft. What a story for Enrique! It, yeah. It's crazy to think that we might have one Zip get, getting drafted this year, let alone we might have two Zips getting drafted this year. It's really insane to think about. I think Enrique, uh, another similar type of a situation with X. He's a little bit undersized for his position, but if you give him enough time to develop the proper skill set, he is going to make your roster better. He hustles. He He's a double-double machine. He averages almost a double-double. I see no reason why you know teams want to pass up on Enrique either. Great great player to have coming off your bench. Kind of like what you said, maybe a six-man, middle-of-the-pack bench player. I think that out of the two of them, though, Enrique does have a chance to become a star, like an absolute shining star one day. But that just remains to be seen. Like I said, a little bit selfishly, I... I want him to come back. <laughs> I'm not. Yeah. I'm not ready to absolutely to give up the next uh, this next season yet. But definitely, like I said, a huge congratulations to Enrique, and hopefully, even though I say that I, I don't want him to get drafted, I really do hope that he fulfills his dream of becoming an NBA star and getting drafted this season. Right, and to your point, I'm not going to be at the University of Akron next year, and I still kind of selfishly want him to return and play for these Akron Zips because. I mean, I just love Enrique Freeman. He's my favorite player on this team. He knows me by name. He goes up to the press conference. He says, oh, hey, Jake. And then on his way out, he says, bye, Jake. I'll see you later. So (laughs) he's just a really cool guy. And you kind of mentioned it, Pat. He's just a -a one-of-a-kind talent. And it's hard to imagine an Akron basketball player getting drafted. But if anyone is going to do it and defy the odds, it's going to be Enrique. From walk-on to Akron to becoming the best player on his team year in and year out to potentially getting drafted to the NBA one day. I mean, that is his potential story, and it's been great to follow it ever since. Casey, what do you think of Enrique declaring for the draft? Well, the same thing I said with X, but the thing is this prospect pool for this year's NBA draft is so big. There's a lot of big-name stars. So he might not get drafted this year, and hopefully he does come back for one more year, just like you two are saying. But... He's going to have, I think he's going to have another breakout year next year if he does come back. And his chances of getting drafted for next year are going to get a lot higher. I definitely want to see a zip in the NBA. I don't care if it's with the Warriors. I don't care if it's with the Celtics or even the Cavs. I hope it's the Cavs. But I just want to see Enrique thrive. And I think he's going to get the best chance to He's going to get the best chance. Yeah, to do it's it. been it's been quite some time since we've seen a zip in the NBA. I want to say the last time I checked, I think the last player we sent to the NBA was in the fifties. Oh, so it's been a long time coming for a zip to finally uh, go back to the NBA. And I kind of like what you said, Jake. I think that if anybody is going to break this cycle, it's going to be Enrique. Uh, but then, kind of like what Casey also said, like this this draft class is stacked. Like it is insane to think about everybody that's going to be in this draft. Um, I would say, looking into the season, if Enrique comes back, MAC championship easy. <laughs> Easily. I mean, Kent State, their entire team basically imploded the minute their season ended. 
I was seeing their main four guys declaring for the draft. Uh, obviously, you know, if they don't make it, it is what it is. I think the only player out of those four that has eligibility to return is Malik Jacobs. But uh, either way, Malik Jacobs being the only player that Kent will have to rely on, <clears throat> where if we can get Enrique back, we'll still have Enrique. We'll still have Sammy Hunter. We'll still have Greg. Um well, I guess there'd be no reason that we can't reach that next mark and going back to a MAC championship. But it also just kind of goes back to if he comes back. If he doesn't come back, uh, we're going to have a pretty interesting season next year. Yeah, so let's talk about that, Pat, because we obviously are losing Xavier Castaneda. Enrique Freeman likely comes back, but that's still kind of on the fence. And then, of course, Garvin Clark entered the transfer portal. So what is your guys' confidence level going into next year with potentially Enrique Freeman uh, being our star player? It depends. If Enrique comes back for one more year, I think we will be just as dangerous as a team, especially with Sammy Hunter developing this year. He had a he had a couple breakout games to end the regular season. And if Sammy Hunter and if if you have Sammy Hunter and Enrique Freeman, that's a very dangerous duo right there. Just as dangerous as just as dangerous as Enrique and X in my opinion. If he if he doesn't come back, then I look forward to the other guys to step up because they have big shoes to fill with X being gone, Enrique being gone. But one thing's for sure, the memories were quite golden while they lasted. I completely agree with that. Um, kind of like what Casey said, it, it really depends on if Enrique comes back. If he doesn't, um, off the bat, there is a glaring hole at the big man positions for us. We already, last season, only had two true big men on our roster. And if we lose Enrique, then that just leaves only one true big man at this point with Amani Lyles. Um, I wouldn't say that having Ali Ali and Enrique is going to be quite as dangerous as X and Enrique, although that combo is still going to be very uh, very good, much like we, or much like you talked about, Casey. Uh, uh, Sammy Hunter really blossomed at the end of the season. He really did. He went from somebody that I was questioning, you know, why we even had him on the floor at times, to seeing him almost become that same uh, player style that we saw out of Ali Ali a few years ago. But without Enrique, I mean, it's just going to be increasingly difficult to really find who is going to be our, I want to say, good or reliable score because whenever X would go cold we would always look inside to Enrique. Enrique would always deliver in those clutch moments, always get us points when we needed them. And without that without him there, I I don't really know where we would end up, I guess. We've we've done a good job this season, however, already of landing some pretty good recruits coming in uh next season. Uh pretty good transfer out of ball state as well, but nobody that I've seen that will ever be able to kind of live up to what Enrique Freeman has done for this team. So without him uh, it's going to be questionable. Luckily, the MAC in basketball, at least after this season, they're they're going to be pretty weak. So I still think that without Enrique, we could still probably get the fourth, maybe fifth seed in the tournament. Possibly look to make a run there. Um, but if we get Enrique back, I mean, I'm just going to call it now, MAC champions, and <laughs> no one can change my mind on that. Sure, and I think that's a great analysis of the team heading into next year. Without Enrique, size is certainly a concern. But with Enrique, I think it's really our conference to lose at that point because Toledo and Kent State are losing a bunch of players this year. A lot of people entering the drafts and just losing that last year of college eligibility. 
But one name that you guys didn't mention that I was kind of expecting you guys to is Tavari Johnson. And I know that Xavier Castaneda left some big shoes to fill, but Tavari Johnson, I think his ceiling is through the roof. I think very highly of this young man. And I think him alongside Enrique Freeman and Sammy Hunter, you guys mentioned him. I think he's going to be a great guy. Not necessarily, he's not going to fill the bucket like Xavier Castaneda did, but I think he's going to be a really good distributor on this offense and maybe plug him into the starting lineup. What do you guys think about Tavari Johnson potentially filling that void heading, heading into next year? I will say I, this season I did see moments of greatness coming out of Tavari Johnson, especially during the Cayman Island uh, Classic that we played uh, very early in the season in uh, November and early December. Um, he actually led our team in points throughout that tournament, led our team in points for games, had phenomenal, phenomenal games. But then as the season went on, uh, we stopped relying more and more on Tavari Johnson. I know that was also because uh, the team finally was starting to click together. Um, you know, early season we really hadn't found our solid starting five yet. So Coach Gross was kind of working with anything that he had, kind of you know trying to mix it up a little. And while it worked in the early stages, in the first early like five games of the season or so, with Tavari Johnson, um, his productivity kind of peaked and then just took an immediate nosedive. Um, now I'm not saying that he's not going to be good because, like I said, we saw phenomenal uh, highlights out of this uh, young man here, but I just don't think that he'll be able to fill the shoes that X has. Uh, I do see him starting... I I see him more as somebody like what Garvin Clark was. Uh, You know, as you mentioned, Garvin Clark, he did enter the transfer portal. Uh, He was easily our sixth man. Like, he was the sixth man of the year, in my opinion, for the MAC. He would always come in whenever we needed him to get those tough buckets. Really led like a true sixth man would in a Lou Will style, if you will. Um, I see Tavari Johnson more than likely kind of filling that role in. Um, but, I mean, I mean, that just remains to be seen with how, you know, Coach Gross wants to play the rotation with, you know, who we see coming in as the new recruiting class, if we land anybody else in the transfer portal. Um, there's just a whole lot of question marks, I guess, up in the air right now for the for the Zips. But I, I guess the main thing still, though, is, you know, we've talked about it a lot so far, but the main question mark is are we going to have Enrique Freeman back? And if not, then who are we going to rely on? But I, I do think that Tavari Johnson, having him come in as the sixth man uh, more frequently, at least this upcoming season, I think that that's the perfect role for him. Um, and then maybe in the next uh, two seasons after that, we'll see him fit back into the starting lineup uh, where I think that he should eventually you know, uh, belong out there in the starting five. Yeah, the thing is with Tavari Johnson is that last year was his freshman year, and I, I'm... I think he will develop like Xavier Castaneda did because he did start off slow shooting-wise as well and then got better as time went on. So, yeah, I think Tavari Johnson has plenty of time to develop. It's, he, <clears throat> he's going to be like X, just develop his shooting game, develop his, develop his possibly his rebounding game, and hopefully him and Enrique Freeman and Sammy Hunter, they'll be able to make noise this year this next year and yeah i'm the future is the future's pretty bright for akron i hope it translates pat i know you follow the transfer portal more than anybody up here at this station you are very loyal to that transfer portal website what's more likely tavari johnson starts at the point guard for akron next year or coach john gross does some recruiting brings a guy in to fill that spot um I can see him starting the year off as our either starting shooting guard or starting point guard because whichever one doesn't get filled by a Tavari Johnson, obviously Greg is going to fill 
that second guard position, whichever one it may be. Um, I do see Coach Gross looking to Tavari Johnson to start the season. Um, but also I question with the return of uh, Michael Dawson. As we know, he missed the entirety of this past season with an injury. Um, he'll be back. So I kind of, it, it's kind of like a waiting to see, again, you know, with what Coach Gross would look to do. I could see a starting um, Tavari Johnson at the one or the two. But at the same time, if we have uh, Michael Dawson back, a guy who can play the two or the three, um, have, still having Sammy Hunter, and then obviously, you know, kind of pending to see if what happens with Enrique. Um, I, I could see it happening, but it, again, it just kind of depends on which way this uh, season will end up kind of turning. Like we'll we'll know in a few weeks, right? But like, for then, it's still kind of just it's a difficult decision to try to predict. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just so wrapped up in this thought of Tavari Johnson on the floor with Enrique Freeman and Sammy Hunter at the same time because last year our identity was Xavier Castaneda, Enrique Freeman, point guard, forward, can both fill it up, right? Next year, I hope that becomes Enrique Freeman, Sammy Hunter, they can both fill it up, and then you have Tavari Johnson, who maybe averages 10 points a game, but he's also averaging 7 or 8 assists per game. He's really that key ball distributor who is getting the ball to Enrique and Sammy in those spots, and hopefully those guys both average north of 15 points per game. I certainly think that is a realistic expectation going into next year. Very exciting time in Akron Zips men's basketball, and hopefully Enrique Freeman, we wish him the best, but selfishly, like you said, Pat, like we've all kind of said and hinted towards, we do wish another year of him here at the University of Akron. We'll leave that there, though. Let's get into our Akron Zips women's basketball team And Ryan Gensler is our new head coach. He was hired on March 29th. He's the 11th coach in the program's 49-year history. He helped guide Illinois to the NCAA tournament last year for the first time since the 2002-03 season. Guys, what do you think about this hiring? I know he's not the biggest name, but certainly a guy that has a lot of respect in NCAA women's basketball. I love this hire, actually. Because before he spent time in Illinois, this guy was making noise behind the scenes in another mid-major conference in the Atlantic 10. He led St. Bonaventure to the Sweet 16 in 2012, and as a recruiter in Dayton a few years ago, he brought in the top recruiting class in the A-10 in back-to-back years in 2019 and 2020, with the latter of the two being nationally ranked. I look forward to seeing what this guy could do for the women's basketball team. As do I. I think it was a very solid uh, signing, like you said, Casey. He's a phenomenal coach, but not the big name that you know everybody hears about. He's kind of an under-the-radar head coach, but I do think that for the system that the Zips have here, I do think that he will be a phenomenal head coach, and I see no reason why this team also, I don't think, I don't see a reason why men's and women's won't at least be top two or three in the MAC this upcoming season. Is no Melissa Jackson, but I think this was a pretty decent hire, all things considered, knowing what he did for Illinois in such a short time period, and of course what he did for Dayton and his coaching years prior, and being behind Shauna Green, the head coach of Illinois and Dayton at the time. I think he has a lot of experience, and everybody talking about him just really talks about his relentless work ethic and how well he does, especially recruiting players, which he's definitely going to have to work on right now because of how many players are leaving this team because of the coaching change. First off, we'll start with Dominique Camp, who transferred to Syracuse. She 
had that one year left of eligibility, transferring due to the unexpected coaching changes on social media. She said, they say what's meant to be will come back around. I will never deny my story as she reunites with head coach Felicia Leggett Jack, her former coach at Buffalo. How big of a loss is a player like Dominique Camp? Man, it's it's a huge loss. She was our leader in steals last year, and she's third on the team in scoring. Her season here in Akron, her one season here in Akron, was very really special to see. I look forward to seeing. I look forward to seeing her perform in what is basically the major leagues in college basketball up in the ACC. I think she will do some damage, especially with one of her former coaches. I look forward to seeing what she can do. Okay, I, I can do nothing but thank her for her time here, even though it was only a very short-lived season here at the University of Akron. Uh, Casey, like you said, she's basically going to the uh, big leagues for the NCAA. I mean, you're going to Syracuse. You're going to the ACC. You have you have a big shoes to fill moving into a power conference. Um, I wish her nothing but the best. Obviously, this does hurt the Zips quite a bit here. Like She was probably the I, – I, she was probably my favorite player to watch on this team. Uh, the way that she just hustled after the ball. Her defense was unrivaled. Uh, in case, like you said, she was a very efficient scorer as well, third on the team. Uh, this does hurt a lot, but I wish her nothing but the best of luck this upcoming season in Syracuse. Yeah, well said, Pat. I've oftentimes said on these airwaves that when Dominique Camp is on, this women's Zips basketball team is not to be messed with. Because when Dominique Camp can score complimentary to Reagan Bass, because she's always going to score, and Molly Knights will certainly kind of picked it up as the season went on, but when Dominique Camp kind of put everything together, it just made that unit so much better every single time they were on the floor together. So certainly a big loss there. Another loss for Akron, Lane Farrell transferred to Wright State. Again, transferred due to unexpected coaching changes with two years left of eligibility. I'll ask you the same question here. How big of a loss is Lane Farrell? Well, she did start all 29 games for the Zips this year, especially reaching double-digit scoring seven times. She finished second on the team in blocked shots. Her defense, as well as her performance in three-point shooting, is definitely going to be missed on the team. I hope she does well as a Wright State Raider, and I'm sure she will. Again, I, I wish her nothing but the best of luck going to Wright State, actually one of my hometown colleges. So I know I'll hear her name quite a bit whenever I'm back around the Dayton area. Um Losing her is definitely detrimental to this team. Uh, key starter, for sure. Uh, Casey, again, like you kind of touched on, her three-point shooting was unrivaled. Uh, her ability to block shots and hustle after rebounds going to be something that the Zips are going to sorely, sorely miss this upcoming season. Yeah, again, well said. Another player that did transfer is Faith Stinson. Not as notable of a player for this women's team, but she was kind of our go-to bench player. She averaged about 14 minutes per game. And then we're also losing Molly Neitzel and Rachel Martindale. Their last year of eligibility was last season. So what's our confidence level for this team heading into next year, playing in the Mid-American Conference, losing all these players, but getting a new head coach? A lot of question marks surrounding this team. Like I... Like... Like... Me being a fan for every team, I want to be cautious. I don't expect us to do much next year because this is Gensler's first stint as head coach. I think success is going to come with time, and I look forward to seeing the culture that Ryan Gensler is going to create, and hopefully the Zips can become a powerhouse in the MAC for years to come. See, I completely agree. Um, this first season might be shaky, however, with 
um, new head coaching change, we might be able to hit that transfer portal uh, a little bit harder. Obviously, I, I will keep my eyes out if anything comes up. You guys will be the first to know. Um, but I think a realistic standard for this upcoming season is to see us probably slip around six, five, six, maybe even seven, uh, right around the middle towards the end of the pack in the MAC. Uh, but then moving forward into future seasons, I see no reason why this women's program can't blossom into something special, rivaling the uh, abilities of even Ball State. Yeah, I think that's fair. My confidence level heading into next season is very low, but there is some optimism. Coach Gensler, in all likelihood, is going to bring in recruits to fill these huge holes in the team, and I'm very excited to see what Reagan Bass looks like next season with a new squad around her. I know Gensler is credited with the quick turnaround of the Fighting Illini, but don't expect instant success for the Zips heading into next season. We'll leave that there, though. We're going to move Hot Mike to next hour. So around 1220, we'll answer all of your questions. Still some time to ask us questions on Twitter at WZIP Sports. But when we return from break, we're going to transition to the NBA. We're going to talk about the play-in tournament briefly, then get into the Cavs and Knicks in the Game 1 loss for the Cavs last night. Also, we'll touch on the entire NBA playoff field. All that and more coming up next on Sports Power Talk. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the best sports talk show there is, was, and ever will be. This is Sports Power Talk live from the University of Akron. My name is Jake Murren. I'm the host of your show today, and today I'm joined by Pat Weber. How are we doing, Jake? Not too bad. One segment in the books, a lot more to talk about on today's Sports Power Talk. How are you doing, Pat? I'm feeling pretty good. Not looking forward to what we're going to have to talk about later in this segment, but, you know, that just, you got to roll up the punches sometimes. Yeah. Good to hear. Good to hear. And second joining me on Sports Power Talk, it is Casey Rush. Alexa, play heartache tonight by the Eagles. <laughs> that describes the Cavaliers in a nutshell. Hey, we will get to that very, very shortly. Before we get into the Cavs Knicks series and the rest of the NBA playoff field, we do have to talk about the NBA play-in tournament, and we'll start with the Eastern Conference playing games. And there's not much I want to talk about here, but one topic I do want to talk about is DeMar DeRozan's daughter. You guys know what I'm talking about here? Are you yes. aware yep. of the situation? Oh, yeah. Yep. Pat, break it down for the listeners. So, first of all, the Bulls should try to give her the MVP here. <laughs> she deserves team MVP for this team. For those of you who don't know, DeMar DeRozan's daughter is the sole reason that the Chicago Bulls beat the Toronto Raptors in the first round of the play-in tournament. She was the distraction that led to 13 missed free throws by the Toronto Raptors. I think it was more than that. It was 18. Oh, it was more than yeah, that? Yeah, I thought, it was even worse. 13, but. They shot 50%. They went 18 for 36 from the free throw line, and the Bulls came back down 19 to win 109 to 105. I think her name is it's D-I-A-R. I don't know if it's D-R, D-A-R. I'm not sure how to pronounce her name. But, yeah, she was the MVP of that team that night, just squealing every single time they would shoot a free throw. I mean, it was, it was insane. Was- I would get notifications on my phone like, yeah, she's she's having a presence. And then the very next day, Logan Congro shows me a video. And I could not believe listening to that video of how loud she yeah. would scream. I thought it was hilarious. Yeah. But leading up to the game in South Beach that unfortunately the Chicago Bulls did end up dropping. Uh, so the Heat are now in the playoffs. Yes. Uh, American Airlines 
offered to fly out DeMar DeRozan's daughter to that game completely free of charge because they wanted her to be in South Beach for that game. Yeah, and she was escorted out of Toronto's arena by team security after rece- after receiving online threats. Uh, you never want to see that. No. Um, unfortunately, she did not uh, show up to that Heat listen, game. I, I can speak uh, a little bit on behalf of a Toronto Raptors fandom. I was a part of that fandom a few years ago with when Kawhi. Uh, excuse me, pardon me. Jeez, when Kawhi Leonard was there, I don't know why I just stumbled so hard there. I apologize, but. Um, yeah, they're, we're a very toxic fan base. They're a very, very toxic <laughs> yeah, fan are. base. Um, I won't deny it, but in a similar sort of fashion, when Kevin Durant did have his unfortunate injury in that series, uh, I was part of the Toronto Raptors fan base that was cheering because it was oh. like, oh, we're going to win now. Mm. Um, Raptors fans, we you guys need to like incorporate um, it's okay to lose and also maybe don't threaten kids. Yeah. I, I you know I'm I'm just saying here. I'm just saying but she is still a kid. You yes you can get mad, but at the end of the day she's still somebody's child. Like she's still right. a kid. That that is a child. You cannot be making those threats to a child. I just yeah. want to you cannot be doing that. That is not okay. Never do that again. I know you can get worked up. I know you're very passionate about your team, but you have got to like just use common sense. Use common sense. Have a heart. Think before you post, please. Yeah, absolutely. And you guys see what the Miami Heat did in their stadium? Oh, that was hilarious. Please tape and everything like that. (laughs) One thing I'll compliment Miami Heat ever, it will be for that. Other than that, the Miami Heat are dead to me. (laughs) Talking about uh, DeRozan and his daughter, though, I, I don't know. I think it's a cute story. I think it's a funny story. I think the scream is hilarious. But is it kind of cheap that the star player on the Raptors, or on the Bulls, excuse me, had his daughter scream every single time the opposing oh, team would shoot the it ball? It was definitely like, to me. Yeah, that that was, definitely was, it wouldn't yeah. sit well with me if I was on the Raptors knowing that, okay, DeRozan's daughter's yelling at me every single time. I don't know. It, it's not just that, but I mean, yeah. I feel like a main reason why DeRozan did have his daughter there is because everybody knows that when DeMar DeRozan was traded to San Antonio in the move that did see the Raptors get Kawhi Leonard, he was furious mm-hmm. about that. He had felt like he had just gotten the biggest kind of like slap to the face that anybody had had because Raptors management, I'm talking just a few weeks before trading him, said that they would look to keep him on the team, that they didn't want to break the relationship there with DeMar DeRozan despite the rumors that his name was on the trading block. And then they went right around after basically promising him that they would never go back on having him on their roster, having him as their star player. And they went and they shipped him off to San Antonio where ultimately, I mean, I've never seen the Spurs kind of dissolve. Their team just dissolve and fall through like that. So he kind of was shipped off uh, for a player that only stayed for one year when DeRozan still had, I think, like three or four years left because they had the uh, Raptors had just re-signed him like two seasons prior it, it was it was kind of a cheap move by DeRozan but I mean I can I can respect it and I understand the reasoning why so I, I do give him a pass because I, I do think it's a pretty funny story I do think it brings a little bit of life to an otherwise like very serious time in the NBA yeah here's the thing with DeMar DeRozan's daughter people just need to let it go when I, when I saw the game live on TV I, I thought it was actually hilarious because I was wondering who on earth is screaming Who's that loudly? Who's making that much noise? <laughs> but then again, it's no different from everyone screaming at the very last second trying to disrupt a free throw. Fans do it all the time. I don't, 
I don't care if she's nine years old or whatever. Treating, seeing all those death threats or everything else on social media is a low blow for any fan base, especially the Toronto Raptors, who you mentioned, Pat, is absolutely toxic. I'm not sure if I could support the Raptors after this incident. Yeah, there's they, they were already kind of on the fence. And again, I was part of the Raptors fan base, and I was involved in the whole, like, being happy Kevin Durant got injured thing. <laughs> Unfortunately, you know, I know I shouldn't have, but, I mean, come on, my favorite player is about to win another ring. I didn't think I'd see that for a while. Got to see it. So that was cool. But, I mean, there there's still a line that needs to be drawn, I guess. And the Raptors fan base has crossed that line, I would say, a few too many times now. And this is definitely, like, the final straw where it's like, okay, like, something has to be addressed about their fan base because that is just outright not okay. I don't care. He's like you said, like, she could be 9, 19. She could be 90. She could be any age at all. It does not change anything whatsoever not okay again think before you post because that is not okay whatsoever yeah that's a great point too one more thing i want to address when it comes to demar Derozan's daughter put yourselves in the shoes of the people sitting around her oh because imagine being a raptors fan going to practically a playoff game here i know it's a play-in tournament but you're going there you're spending probably thousands of dollars for courtside tickets. And the entire time, you have to sit through 36 free throws of DeMar DeRosa's daughter in front of you screaming sounds, every ugh. single time. As a Raptors fan, I would be so annoyed. That sounds like yeah, a I skill would. issue for the Raptors fan. Sounds like you need yeah. to just get better. Um, maybe don't miss... 18 free throws, just yeah. get good. That's a good point. Uh, you're, you're an yeah. NBA player. It's the arenas get loud. Deal with it. Sorry, but just seriously, just deal with it. Like, you're a professional athlete. Make your free throws. It's, it just make, they are the easiest yeah. points to get in basketball. Just make your free throws more. You, but you, you people play in arenas where it can range from anywhere from like dead quiet to louder than loud, I guess is like a perfect way to put it, but. Just fight through it. Just be an athlete. I mean, that's kind of like what you're there to do, I guess. Like, yeah, and then in the Western Conference playing games, the Lakers beat the Timberwolves in overtime 108-102. to The Thunder beat the Pelicans 123-118. to And then the Timberwolves beat the Thunder 120-95. to Don't really have to stress too much on the Western Conference playing games, but I just want to get your guys' thoughts on the playing tournament in general because I've always enjoyed the tournament and the excitement that the playing tournament brings, but I know there are many people that are still either on the fence or just completely despise the playing games. What are your guys' thoughts, and has this year's playing games swayed you either way? All I know is Logan Congrove was this close to being uh, to being on the latter side, wanting the playing tournament to go away altogether. But it's really nice to see the ten seats finally make some noise and. Hopefully the NBA doesn't mess around with the playoff system anymore because what I saw from those 10 seats in this play-in tournament, because this is the first time we've had both 10 seats win in a play-in tournament, it's absolutely amazing to see what they can do. And it shows that the maybe the 7, maybe just a 16-team playoff is, yeah, it's in the past and I could totally see them adding games 
to the playing tournament, make it a best of three or best of five or whatever. But I think the NBA knows what they're doing, and hopefully, and hopefully this is it. I still don't mind it that much. I mean, I know last season when the Cavs got eliminated in the play-in, I was up here saying that I thought it was stupid. Uh, it's not stupid. I was just mad. <laughs> I think I think everybody that doesn't like the play-in tournament are uh, fan bases that their teams are in the play-in and then they lose in the play-in because then it's like, especially like a higher seed because it's like, wow, like if we didn't have the play-in, then we would have already been seated and you know we would have at least seen one round of the playoffs with our team in it. So, I mean, I can understand why people don't like it. I'm more fond of it now that the Cavs, you know, we don't have to be in it right now, so that's cool. But um, I'm a fan of it. I do think it's kind of cool to see some of these like lower seed teams, teams that you might not see pop up in the playoffs for a few years. They're starting to show up a little bit. Um, it's entertaining. It's a good way to get a little form of entertainment right before you hit the full swing of the NBA playoffs. Uh, I'm a huge fan of it. Keep it going. Don't change it. Just keep the system you have now is working. Keep it going. Yeah, I completely agree with you, Pat. Time to move on, though, and unfortunately it is time to talk about our very own Cleveland Cavaliers uh. as they lost 101-97 to last night to the New York Knicks in Game 1 of the first round of the NBA playoffs. And guys, I just want to bluntly ask the question to you, why did the Cavs lose last night? Because I don't think there's one definitive answer. I have five answers written down in my notes I'm honestly, as to why the Cavs uh, lost. I'm honestly impressed we didn't lose by more. That's yeah. if, honestly. If Donovan Mitchell wasn't on this team or didn't show up last night, we would have lost this game by probably 50 points. Well, we would have even been the four seed if we didn't have Donovan well, Mitchell. Well, 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 I'm saying hypothetically in the situation. I don't think we would be in the playoffs if, if we Donovan didn't Mitchell, have Donovan Mitchell. If Donovan Mitchell didn't play like how he played last night, we would have lost by 50 points. Like yeah, that, that was absolutely. just the biggest... Like, I, I was sitting back there thinking, what in the world am I watching? Like, cool. I feel like I was not watching an NBA team play basketball. It was Donovan Mitchell and the entirety of the Cleveland Charge, basically, is how, is how it looked. That, that's just how it looked. Like, being blunt here, that's how it looked. It was horrible. They looked lost. Yeah. They looked so lost well, out there on the court. That's a great point, Pat, because we only lost by four. Yeah. So if all these things went wrong, I don't understand why Cleveland fans think the series is over, thinks the season is over the, the, when the season so isn't many over. things went wrong and we only lost by four points in game one. That that just shows that the Knicks do not deserve to be in this position whatsoever. Honestly, the Knicks are frauds. If <laughs> if you if you can only beat us by four points and we are playing probably the worst game of Cleveland basketball that I have watched all year long. For you to only come out and win by four, that just shows that the New York Knicks, they do not deserve to be in this spot. And Cleveland's still going to take the series. Cavs in five. Here's the thing. Spide- in five. Yep. In five, really. Woo. Here's the thing. Donovan Mitchell did have 38 points, but the main one of the main reasons why we lost is we couldn't stop Jalen Brunson and we couldn't stop Julius Randle. They had 27 and 19 points, respectively. And we got out-rebounded in every single way. And Jake, you do the honors. Say those words. Box out. There you go. He knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> One. It, it's amazing. <laughs> I don't know you didn't say it, so I, I think it's yeah, still zero. It's, I'll give it half a point. Okay. It's amazing that Jared <laughs> Allen had a double-double with the amount of offensive rebounds. He basically fumbled away. And here's the thing. We, can't, we couldn't catch the ball for rebounds. We couldn't, we couldn't shoot other than Donovan Mitchell. And just a lot of things went wrong, especially with the Knicks being one of the best road teams in the NBA. And us being one of the worst. 
winning home games this series is absolutely important, and we just let it slip right out of our fingers. Literally. Yeah, the, the rebounds are basically what killed us. We outshot them. We shot a far better percentage than them from the three, better than them from two, and we still couldn't come away with it. If I'm being honest, I, I mean, Isaac Okoro, first of all. Ugh. Get him off the floor. Get him off the floor. I know I know. I like Karis LeVert a lot more. I know Karis LeVert also did not play very well whatsoever. He only shot one for seven. Okay, I, I get that. He didn't play good. But, I mean, I've said it every single time I've been on up here. And I think everybody can attest to me saying this. If you do not start Karis LeVert, he is not going to play well. You start Isaac Okoro, he goes one for six for only six points. I know Karis LeVert only had three. But at least... I mean, it's just, it's just looking at the offensive like weaponry we need. We cannot have Isaac Okoro out on the court. We can't. I just like, think you need him for his defensive presence because if he's not going to be that we can, defensive then presence, we can then just who have, is? We can, I mean, Karis LeVert, I mean, his defense is not as good, obviously, but he still can defend whenever he needs to. I'm just thinking have Isaac Okoro coming off the bench like in the way that you want to play Karis LeVert coming off the bench because Isaac Okoro is an offensive liability, and I've... Every single game that Karis LeVert has started, he has scored double digits or more. And if we can have Karis LeVert starting this game, if he can still get us at least 10 points, we win the game. So I'm just saying, like, Isaac Okoro is going to be one of the main liabilities on this team moving forward into the playoffs. You know, even if we get out of the series, I still think we will. I still think Cavs in five, but... That's you ridiculous. Know, Cavs in five. I, Cavs in five. I'm thinking Cavs really? in five. I'm still taking Cavs in five we have in this to- one. We still have two games yet to play in Madison Square Garden. We, ne- yeah, we but, hardly do well in But it's those. the Knicks. I know we dropped this game of the Knicks, but all we need is just to we need to take the next few days to figure out what went wrong, get those areas out, change the starting five a little bit. Just don't start Isaac Okoro, please. And I promise you we don't start him. We work a little bit on what went wrong, work on working on boxing out, working on getting our rebounds, and we will not lose this series. Like Point period, end of it. But it's just, it, it, I, I don't know. It was just bad. It was just a bad. It was not fun. It was not a fun game to watch. No, it wasn't. I don't all. know. You, you say it's just the Knicks, yet we lost the regular season series to the Knicks, and then we lost yeah. last night in game one of the series. There's still a very talented squad with Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle at the helm. So I also wonder why we, why did we not play Danny Green? Like why did we not play arguably the best, one of the best three point shooters on this roster? Put him in even for just like. Five or six minutes. Let him get a couple threes, and if he can just get two threes again, we win the game. So I don't know why we didn't look to go to him. We've seen Danny Green play in the yeah. playoffs for almost every single season. He's been in the, in the NBA. Yes, we have. We know what he can do. He he's not your go to guy off the bench, but if you need two or three quick threes, that's who you want to put in for. You know, maybe only uh, six to ten minutes in that frame. I just don't know why we didn't look to him more. We didn't look to our bench a whole lot at all. Which kind of was... I, I know it's the playoffs. I will admit that. I, I do understand that this is the playoffs, but you know when you, it's blatantly obvious that Isaac Okoro is not playing well and Evan Mobley's not playing well, you might want to look to sub the both of them a little more frequently than what they did. Because, honestly, Evan Mobley and Isaac Okoro were the two biggest liabilities out on the court for us, like I, I would say. And I, that, that's just the experience there. They're two of the youngest guys on, on the team. That's the lack of experience, but we have guys on the bench that can come off that have been in these positions, that have played in the playoffs, where they can fill that role while you know the young guys, they're still trying to figure it out, so they don't know. Their nerves are getting to them. Put in some of the vets. Like I said, Danny Green, perfect one. Robin Lopez has played in the playoffs multiple times. 
sub him in for just a few minutes. Let you know, give Evan Mobley time to calm down, figure something out. But instead, it was kind of like we just tossed him out there and fed him to the wolves in in a way. It was kind of like we, we just kind of said, "All right, you don't have this experience. Go figure it out." So if you're head coach J.B. Bickerstaff, and I agree with you on the point of giving Danny Green minutes in the playoffs, he has the experience, he has the shooting ability. Who do you take minutes away from? Isaac Okoro. Isaac Okoro, yes, because he is such a liability. See, my answer, last night, a guy like Dean Wade played seven minutes. Yeah. I feel like that's seven minutes that you can play around with and maybe give some of those those seven minutes to see what Danny Green can produce for you out there on the field in a playoff game. Also with Karis LeVert and uh, Chetty Osmond. Now, I know Chetty Osmond is, like, one of the only people on this roster that has been to the playoffs for, you know, wearing a Cleveland Cavaliers jersey. I understand that. I do think those 19 minutes is being generous, although he was honestly our most efficient scorer for the 19 minutes that he did play. He was more efficient, uh, but, you know, with him and Karis LeVert, and like you even said, Dean Wade, maybe break their minutes up a little bit and give them to the – there's two guys on the bench here that I would argue that deserve the playing time in the situation. Three, because, I mean, we played Ricky Rubio a little bit. But give Rubio more minutes off the bench. Give give Danny Green minutes, please. Like, yes, he knows please. what he's doing in the situation. And give – I know he's not the best player you want to have on the court, but like I said, Robin Lopez, he's been in this position before. If we're getting out-rebounded and we can't get Evan Mobley hot, pull him, you know – Talk to him, get him settled down, put Robin Lopez in for just like five minutes, five or six minutes yeah. to give Evan Mobley time to you know, gather himself, gather his thoughts, and then go back out. Because I'm telling you, I, we could still rely on Robin Lopez. His size alone would be enough to get us at least four to six easy points in the paint and then put Evan Mobley back in. But just not, we didn't look to the bench enough. We didn't look to the guys on the bench that we should be looking to in these situations. And I think that's something that. There were just a lot of things, but I think that was another main reason on why we ended up dropping this game. I wouldn't go as far as to say giving Robin Lopez meaningful minutes in an NBA I'm playoff I'm saying game, just like five, five, six minutes. Nothing sure. meaningful, but just enough time where, you I know, calm down the rookies, get them figured out. And I'm just thinking the leadership aspect of it, too. If you can have at least cycling in like one or two vets, you know, not super often, but more frequently than what we did to kind of help give that leadership on the court if we start slipping up and, you know, going on a scoring drought, then put in those vets for, like, five, six minutes. Let them handle the flow of the game because they've been there. They know how to control the flow of a playoff game because we honestly played too fast. We took a lot of stupid fast shots, and that's another thing, too. It's like, calm down. I know it's a playoff game. I know the emotions are high. The tensions are high. You want to get everything going. Slow it down. If we play... Cavs basketball, all right, and we don't do all the stupid stuff that we did, like stop taking super fast shots. It's okay to let the shot clock wind down to take a smart shot than just the continuous dumping it off to Isaac Okoro, Isaac Okoro shooting a three, missing a three, or dumping it to Evan Mobley in the corner, him shooting a three, not making the three. Stop doing that. Look inside a little bit more. I mean, we have one of the best centers in the league one sitting in the paint. Just look, look to him. Look to Jared Allen a little bit more. Stop shooting a lot of threes. Just control the flow of the game is like the pinpoint thing that like has to be addressed about this team moving forward. Yeah, I mean, overall, I agree with the premise. I just don't think Robin Lopez should get any minutes in the NBA playoffs. But you mentioned Jetty Osman and his offensive production last night. And this is actually one of my five reasons why the Cavs lost. And nothing against Jetty, 
but Jetty had more points than Evan Mobley last night. Put that into perspective, guys. Evan Mobley scored eight points, four for 13 shooting, had 11 rebounds, but the entire team did not play a physical brand of basketball, and that's telling in the offensive rebound numbers. But Mobley, he's one of those guys that needs to step it up, especially physically down low, box out like you always say, Casey. But eight points in his playoff debut, nah, that's a rough performance and, out of Evan Mobley. And what scares me is moving forward, you know, it, we win the series against New York. But then that raises question marks, you know, when we have to go play a team like maybe Philadelphia. All right, who's going to stop Joel Embiid? <laughs> if we're this soft against the New York Knicks, how are we going to stop, in my opinion, the NBA's MVP? Yeah. How, how yeah. are we going to do that? I... It all of a sudden went from me saying, I think the Cavaliers, we have a legitimate shot at this, to I think we're still going to win this series, but I have so many question marks regarding you know, how we're going to play any of these other Eastern Conference teams that have big men that are far superior and just way better players than New York does. Can we let Julius Randle do this to us? So what's somebody like Giannis, what's somebody like Joel Embiid, what are they going to do to this team if we have to face off against them? Here's the thing. If we don't box out and get contested rebounds from now on, we are going to get freaking swept. The yep. Knicks play very well on the road, and like I, as I said before, and we don't. We got to fix this. I know it's only game one, but this was another winnable game one that we let slip right out of our fingers, like I said before. And if we can't stop Brunson or Randall, pack it up. That's it. Because I don't have as much optimism as Pat does, because... For some reason, we don't play well against the Knicks. We just don't. The Knicks are one of those teams that Cleveland always likes to struggle with. I don't get it. And for some reason, we can test very well against the teams like the Bucks and the Celtics, but we can't do well against the Knicks? Make it make sense. Like, why do we struggle against the Knicks and not, and not anybody else? We also yeah. have to figure out a way to stop Josh Hart because he had a very good night coming off the bench he even and I don't think that Josh Hart should be having a good night coming off the bench so he even outshot us with one bad knee that yep. was how bad and he had was. five offensive rebounds in the game as well so you he mentioned the offensive rebounds. rebounds the the Evan Mobley scoring but also Darius Garland had one assist he actually had 10 rebounds Ted total five yeah, offensive five offensive yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like how is how are we letting a guy like Josh Hart get a double double with yeah, rebounds, it's rough. It's it's Josh Hart. Like, it, 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 yeah. it is Josh Hart. He, that guy should not be having ten rebounds whatsoever with who we have. Like it was just, it was bad. We're getting out rebounded by injured Josh Hart. I I don't I don't know. Yeah, real. It's all about you know effort, playing a physical brand of basketball, and getting out there and getting after those rebounds. Boxing out, of course, as well. Casey, mm-hmm. Darius Garland, five turnovers in the game and only one assist as your point guard. That's a season low one assist for him, and it came in the playoffs. It was the only, it was the eighth time in his career that he's only recorded one assist in a game. It's not what you want to see out of your your point guard there, and then bench scoring as well. Again, if all of these things went wrong, guys, a four point loss. Am I crazy to have a little bit of optimism if we can fix a few of these things going forward in this series? Absolutely not. I, I like I said, I've been I've said it a few times this segment. Cavs in five. We're going to win this series, so I know it was a rough first game, Cleveland. I know that we like to overreact when our teams don't do well. 
It is going to be okay. We will win this series. Yeah, and the overreaction has been just blasphemous. People wanting to fire J.B. Bickerstaff and completely trade away Jared Allen and do all these crazy things. We just got done with the rebuild. Let's not go through another rebuild. Exactly. I'm not doing that again. We just got out of it. We're not going to have first-year success. If we have first-year success, fantastic. That's awesome. Sure. Don't expect it. We're, like I said, we're at least making it out of the series. We're at least going to the second round. And in the next, like I said, the next five years, the Cavs will have at least one more title to their name. All right. Strong words there and conviction from Pat Weber. Also, Pat, Cavs in five. A very interesting prediction there. Casey, quick prediction before we head into break. If we don't win on the road, then I don't see us going past the series. I say Knicks in seven because the mm-hmm. Knicks are just too dangerous on the road. I like not. the Cavs in seven. I think a game seven played at home that would be awesome. Would do a lot for Cleveland, and we'll see how they fare at Madison Square Garden. Of course, game two being played Tuesday night from Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. We wish the best to our very own Cleveland Cavaliers, but a lot of adjustments to be made as they head into game two and the rest of the series against the New York Knicks. We're going to head into break. When we come back, NBA is still going to be the focus of our conversations. We're going to go over every first-round series, and then we're going to preview the rest of the NBA playoffs and ask you as well, who's winning the NBA Finals? Don't go anywhere. This is Sports Power Talk. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Best Sports Talk Show this side of Lake Erie. It is Sports Power Talk live from the University of Akron. My name is Jake Murn, the host of your show today. And today, I'm joined by Pat Weber. Cavs in five. Yeah, that's, that's a hot <laughs> take. Man. That is a to, hot take. I'm going that is to a continuously white hot say that. I'm going to continuously say that. Cavs in five. And second joining me on today's show, Casey Rush. I wish I had Pat's optimism, but if I do... They would end up losing every single time. Hey, I just want to say this. You had optimism going into the Penn season. Not completely unsuccessful. Yeah. Think about it. Ron Hextall, he's gone. Yeah, Ron Hextall's gone. Boom. All right, see, a yeah, little, little bit of optimism gone, But we're still, but I think it's going to be a rebuilding year for the Pens, honestly. See, but you just got to have a little bit of optimism going into it. I know I, I know you didn't really have any, but you, you had a little bit. I mean, at least that Ron yeah. Hextall wouldn't be there. At he, the end of the season, he's still, he wasn't. He wasn't. So he, just, you know, a little bit of optimism there, he, Casey. He still should have been hired two years ago. <laughs> I think a lot of people could go a very long way if they had Pat's optimism. Yeah, I mean, you are as Homer as Homer gets sometimes. Hey, and I, have, I appreciate I, it. You and know, for those of you who don't know, officially because I am the age of twenty-one in sports betting is legal in Ohio, so please gamble responsibly. But the first bet I ever made was I did put money on the Akron Zips to win the national championship. Why? I, Just I did. why? Okay. Because when, in, in the extreme case, off-take off that that hits, you know what the payout on that thing is? Well, this is my question. <laughs> what was the stake? Oh, there was just nothing. I just, okay, listen. Like, so, you put a dollar on it? How much it's okay. Uh, I did put a dollar, but I think I'm going to add a little bit more. Right. Please don't. Up. Please don't. Anything yeah, I, over two dollars on that bet is ludicrous. You're just what, what if I go with two fifty? Two fifty. Then you're asking two dollars. Two dollars and fifty cents. You're just asking for it at this point. <laughs> I'm I'm just saying that that that's that's the optimism I have. I put money on the Akron Zips football program to win the national championship. 
They're not going to win more than four games. Hey. I'll even see us winning more than three games. Let's hey, we're going bowling. <laughs> we're going bowling this year. I know I said it last year and it did not happen, but this year, I mean it. We are going bowling. Uh, at least. At least. If we don't at least go bowling, then at least win the wagon wheel, and I'll call it a successful season. Jake, I've heard enough. Let's move There's on. There's a difference between optimism and delusion. I think you're kind of <laughs> on that fence there, especially when it comes to Akron Zips Athletics. Oh. But, yes, Casey, I <laughs> am the host. Actually, it's more of a... Actually, it's more 60% delusion and just 40% Pappy and Pat. I mean, yeah, let's be honest here. I'm a full-time Zips fan. If, if if you're a full-time Zips fan, yeah, there's there's not a whole lot. There's there's no line. There's just a... I'm just saying we're going to win every game. And then like when it happens, it's like, boom, told you. Well, at least and then when it doesn't, my immediate comeback is, hey, we're the Akron Zips. We gave it a shot. <laughs> All right, well, as the host, it's my job to get this show back on the rails and back on the track. So let's do so by getting back to the NBA playoffs. Last segment, we talked about the Cavs and the Knicks series and the game one loss last night. But let's move on and talk about the rest of the field because it's a very interesting matchups here. Let's go over every first-round series. We'll start in the Eastern Conference here. Number one seed, Milwaukee, versus the number eight seed, the Miami Heat, a team that is dead to me. <laughs> Game one today at 5.30 p.m. Guys, what do you th- quickly, just thoughts on the series, and then who do you think is going to win it and by how many games? Hey, Logan. Hey, Logan. Okay. Hey, Logan, guess what? Uh, Bucks and four. <laughs> Sweep. Sweep. Giannis is going to average a triple-double. Who, who's stopping him? Is Bam Adebayo going to stop him? Because Bam Adebayo is starting to look more and more like a Udonis Haslam out there. Slow dinosaur movements on the court. Can you say your uh, prediction one more time? Oh, Bucks and four. Casey, Clean sweep. <laughs> what is your what is your prediction for this series? Here's what I want to happen. <laughs> I want I want the Heat to win Game One just to give Logan hope, and then the Bucks blowing out the Heat in the next four. I want I have Bucks and five. You know how toxic Logan Congrove would be if the Heat won Game One. I mean, he's already if the Heat. Here's, here's, here's what I have to say. But if the Heat somehow in some way pull off this upset, I might have to actually believe Logan when he said he has the Heat and the Kings in the finals. That reality, or it's not even a reality, it just doesn't exist. That world where the Heat beat the Bucks in the first round, that doesn't exist. That that is true. That is is very true. You never know. I don't want it to happen. I really don't want it to happen because I live, unfortunately with myself, I live with somebody who shares the exact same Views of heat culture as Logan. Uh, so, Tommy, I also know you're tuning in and listening. Again, Bucks in four. You stand zero chance against Giannis. It, it, John, you, you, who's stopping it? Give me three. Give me a list of three names, and none of them are stopping Giannis in yeah. this in this series yeah. at all. The funny thing is, Logan Congrove was going off when they won the playing game. When they yeah, you had the struggle, when they you had the struggle to get to the spot. You were the number one seed last year, and you barely made the play-in. Yeah, but <laughs> where crazy? Where it's like where? Like congratulations, where you won a spot in playing the Milwaukee Bucks I in the first guess. round of the playoffs. Like not fun. Congrats in getting to the playoffs, but now you're either going to get swept or lose in five games. So round yeah. of applause for the Miami Heat and Logan Congro. Good job. You made it to the Yay. playoffs. And you get to continuously do what the Pittsburgh Steelers do every year when they make the playoffs. Oh, yeah, cool. You made it. And then uh, <laughs> you're and then, not making it out of the first round. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what the Heat are. The Heat are the Steelers of the NFL. Yeah. Yes, they, they They've just been in the playoffs so frequently that they just can't give it up. 
They're never going to do anything with it, but they just can't stop making it because they can't give up that little ray of, oh, we're still making it, though. Yeah. With that being said, I have Bucks <laughs> in five, and we'll talk about his prediction with the Kings when we get to the Western Conference because <laughs> yeah. I, have, I have some things to say in regard to the Kings as well. Next series in the East, though, number two, Boston, taking on number seven, Atlanta. Rough going for the Hawks yesterday. Ooh. Boston beat them 112-99. to They lead the series 1-0. to What's your guys' prediction and in how many games? I, I apologize ahead of time to Jake Murray, a goat. We know that he supports the Atlanta Hawks uh, up here. However, um, unfortunately, with how we saw this game going, I've got Celtics in five. Yeah, unfortunately... Jake Murrigo, this is my this is my series sweep because I can't pick against I can't pin I cannot pick against Jason Tatum I cannot pick against Jalen Brown Celtics in four I'm sorry but Trey Young's gonna get cooked yeah yep I also have the Celtics in four unfortunately next up three 76ers versus uh, six Brooklyn Nets Philly does lead the series one to zero after a one twenty one to one oh win one oh one win yesterday I have Philly in five on this one I also have Philly in five uh, I think Brooklyn I mean they've been in the situation before but I mean when they can't make it out of the first round they at least snag one game that we've seen in the past haven't really seen them get swept no matter how bad their roster is. Uh, when they are in the playoffs. Um, but, I mean, you can clearly tell that, yes, this team, they had the record to barely just slide in there. But the obvious lack of star power, it's almost like, um, I want to say it was 2018's Los Angeles Clippers uh, before, like, that was the same season when they officially traded away Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan, effectively went into tank mode, and then they made the playoffs. Yep. It took one game yep. from the Golden State Warriors, and then they lost the rest. It, it's the exact same story that we're seeing shape up at, over in Brooklyn. I think the Nets are going to win more games, actually, but just one more. Sixers and six. When you said the Nets are going to win, I had a heart attack. I thought you were actually going to I looked over, and I thought you were going to... It's just the trolling in me. I okay. do think the... I do think... I do say one team's going to win... But I add just one asterisk, just one more game. All right, fair enough. I could, I, I could, I could see that happening realistically. Sure. Yeah. And then we have the Cavs and Knicks, of course. Uh, Cavs, and five. Cavs, and, Cavs five. and five. KC, you have Knicks and seven. Yeah. I have Cavs and seven. So let's go to the Western Conference here. We have the Nuggets taking on the Timberwolves. I have the Nuggets <laughs> in five games. Nuggets and four. Nuggets and four. Actually, I think the Timberwolves are going to be much more dangerous of an eighth seed as you can get. Mm, but I, I, I think the nu- But I think the Nuggets actually taken in six. I think it's going to be a closer series. And maybe if the Timberwolves think. spent less time fighting amongst each other That's and fair. actually focused That's on fair. the game, they would, uh, you know, be in a better position. But uh, I mean, I have yeah. the Timberwolves as a top three seed in the West. Before the season started. Oh, I did too. I was right on board with you. I, yeah. I said the Timberwolves would be one of the, the best teams, uh, but, you know, clearly. Yeah. Okay, in, in their defense, Kyle Anderson was not on the team when that whole thing uh, happened. And now. And now he is on the D'Angelo team. D'Angelo Russell's yeah. gone too. Yeah, and, and D'Lo is gone, which. Yeah. Questionable move by them on that, by the way. Like, I know yeah. it was a long time How do you ago, get but very questionable. Well, the team that D'Angelo Russell does play for now, the L.A. Lakers, they're taking on the Memphis Grizzlies in the playoffs. What a spicy series Ugh. this is, man. Number two versus number seven here in the seating-wise, but LeBron James can never be taken for granted, guys. Yeah. Grizzly, mm, Grizzlies in seven. Grizzlies in seven. It, it's so Grizzlies hard to pick seven. against so the hard. Lakers. 
Because the, the minute I'm going to, I'm like, well, the Lakers have LeBron, and they have Anthony Davis, and they have D'Angelo Russell. Austin Reeves has been having a phenomenal season, so it... It's so hard to pick against them, but I'm huh? I'm still going to give it to Grizzlies in seven. That's why I have the Lakers in six. Casey. Whew. Yeah. I have the series going six games, but I have the opposite team to Jake. All I right. have the Grizzlies in six. All right. I'm fine we, with we being the low guy picking the, the Lakers. The Grizzlies are, in a way, kind of like the Cavs of the West. <laughs> they got a really good team, pretty highly seeded, but they lack the experience to be there. Right. Mm. So we'll have to see if that lack of experience does anything, I, I guess. I, I I could see it playing a small factor and maybe just with, like, John Morant, but I, I don't know. It, it's such a difficult thing to think because this is the only series that I would realistically pick the lower seed to possibly upset this higher seed just based on the fact that the Lakers have LeBron James alone. Right. Like yeah. they, they don't even have to have Anthony Davis. They don't have to have anybody else that they do, but the fact that they have LeBron alone is enough for me to take, like I said, I, Grizzlies in seven, but I I still think the Lakers could easily win this uh, series. Yeah, that's why I'm taking the Lakers in six. We'll leave that one there. Number three, the Sacramento Kings taking on the sixth seed in the West, the Golden State Warriors. Sacramento does lead one to zero after a three point win last night at home. You got to feel good for Kings fans, but oh yeah, do the Kings have what it takes to beat the Warriors in the first round? Yes, they do. Kings in six. Yeah, they certainly have the team to do it, but for some reason, the Warriors are still as dangerous as ever. Steph Curry is still playing on a high level, and so is Klay Thompson, and of course, the donkey Draymond Green. I can't, <laughs> I can't pick against the Warriors. I got Warriors in seven. I think it's going to be one of the best series we've See, seen. In a here's long time. here's my only like counter to that is that Draymond Green, he played horribly. He did. He played. I mean, he usually does. He, he, he contributed a lot offensively despite only scoring 4 points on 1 for 5 shooting as he did have 11 assists and 9 rebounds. Yeah. But if the Warriors want to look to win any of these, Draymond has to contribute more than 4 points. The thing with Draymond Green is that he's not really that much of a scorer, but he does very well behind the scenes with like you said the assists and rebounds. And especially defensively, he does very well. I will say I was confused on why uh, the Warriors did not have Jordan Poole starting. Hmm. I question why they had Dante DiVincenzo out there That's instead pretty talented of Jordan. Too. Yeah, DiVincenzo they're actually both did very talented. Well. But I'm saying when you have Jordan Poole and Andrew Wiggins coming off the bench, it's almost like why did you start? They're loaded, Dante DiVincenzo. They have depth, and that's why I'm taking the Warriors in seven games. I agree with you, Casey. And a message to Logan Congrove, if you will, about the Sacramento Kings. I don't think I ever said that the Kings couldn't make a run in the NBA playoffs. But I do think it is a very delusional take to say that the Kings are going to the NBA Finals. I yeah. can see it happening. Like as, I, I could, they, they are playing on another level right now. As much as I want that to happen, there's a lot of other teams that can totally take the, that can totally represent the West in the NBA Finals. Like, come on. The Sacramento and, Kings, they have, I don't think they have as much experience as every other team in the West. They don't, but I'm, I'm taking a look at also like the way that they play when they're in front of their fans, and they're going to have home court advantage for most of the playoffs if they make it out of the series. That's why I'm thinking that they will ultimately win the series because they play so well in front of their fans. It is so hard for them to lose at home. Now the question is, can they play very well against the 
when they're in the Warriors this is, this fan is a, base. This is a very questionable thing, too, because both of these teams aren't that great on the road. And obviously the Kings are way better at playing on the road than the Warriors. I think the Warriors won like seven or eight road games total this season. They made it to the playoffs just because of how well they play at home. Um, but it's like a weird thing to kind of take a look at because neither one of these teams plays exceptionally well on the road. They all play very well in front of their fans, but... The reason I'm still taking the Kings in this one is because they do play better on the road than the Golden State Warriors do, and they do play at home a little bit better than the Golden State Warriors do. So even if they drop both games, you know, to Golden State at Golden State, I don't, I still don't think that they should panic whatsoever because they'll still come out. And I think that the one road game that they will end up winning is, like I said, Kings and six. I think they'll win. That sixth game, if it goes to six, you know, whichever way the series goes. Here's the thing. I don't want to be wrong, but I want to be wrong <laughs> right when on. it comes to this series. I am pretty confident in saying Warriors in seven, but I am very confident in saying that the Kings are not going to the NBA Finals. Clip that one off, too, Logan. You say you have receipts. Clip this one off, too, buddy, because I know... In a matter of a month or two, the Kings are going to be sitting on their couches, and so are you, crying <laughs> at the fact that the Heat and Kings <laughs> are also on their couches, and neither of those teams are playing in the NBA Finals. Oh, that would be glorious. One more first-round series quickly. Phoenix Suns versus the L.A. Clippers. Clippers in seven. I still have them oh, going to the goodness. Finals. I still have them going to the Finals. Oh, I still have KC, them going take it. Yeah, I think the... Son, I think the winner of this series definitely has a good chance of making it to the NBA Finals, but I have the opposite of Pat in the same amount of games. Suns in seven. I have the Suns in five. Oh, Let's go to just blatant disrespect right there. Let's quickly go to well, we don't have Paul George playing, right? Yeah, but I'm also just looking at the fact that the only player in NBA history that has been able to stop Kevin Durant on any level has been Kawhi Leonard. Well, newsflash, they have more players just to stop than Kevin Durant. Yeah, but, yeah. Player, but all I'm saying is... You got Chris is, Paul, you got Devin Booker. You got a lot of I'm not of worried about... First of, all, first of all, I am not worried about Chris Paul. He I is know. the person I am worried the least about on that entire... I'm more worried about DeAndre Ayton than I am about Chris Paul. Okay? Yeah. Chris Paul is of no concern to me in the playoffs. Uh, Devin Booker, yeah, a little bit, but I think the Clippers have what it takes. I, right. I think they can do it. Like I said, Kawhi Leonard is always been the one missing piece to every team when it comes to stopping Kevin Durant. I think we stopped Kevin Durant. Again, we've got really good defense, Norman Powell, who will hopefully be starting rather than coming off the bench. I think he can guard Devin Booker just fine. But this this will be, I think, the most entertaining series in the playoffs well, that, I, that I can see. Wow. I give that More to Cavs Knicks. I give that to Cavs Knicks here in the first round at least. But Let's predict the rest of the playoffs and quickly, guys. No breakdown. Just give me the prediction. You have the Bucks taking on the Cavs. In your case, Casey, you have the Knicks. Who in how many games? Uh, at that point, unfortunately, although I, I do want the Cavs to actually no, no, I'll say it. Cavs in seven if we play the Bucks. <laughs> I'll say it, Casey. I think give me Bucks in six. I like the Bucks in six against the Cavs. Boston taking on Philly, which is a very intriguing second round matchup. Uh, give me the Celtics in five, actually. Celtics in six in that in that scenario. Give me the 76ers in seven games. Ooh, I'm riding the Philly okay. wave that I've been riding all season okay. long. You think okay. here come the Sixers is going to be raining out in the Man, streets of Boston. I am standing true to my point that the 76ers are the best team in the Eastern Conference. And to prove it, they would have to beat the Celtics in the second round. So yeah. that's the way I'm going. Then the Eastern Conference Finals, I have Milwaukee taking on... The 76ers, again, 76ers in seven games. Come on. No, that's just no. I think Pat and I both have 
both of us have. Oh wait, no, you have the Cavs. In the I do have the finals. Cavs. I do have the Bucks <laughs> and Celtics in the conference finals, but okay. the Celtics win in six. Okay, Cavs in seven again. Oh, good. oh my god! <laughs> All right, yeah, I'm not backing stop. down from this. I'm not West, backing down from this. The West. We have Denver taking on the Phoenix Suns. In your case, Pat, I think you have the Clippers there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we can just speed run it. Yeah, Clippers. Oh, my gosh. gosh. <laughs> Casey? Uh, give me the... Actually, I have the Nuggets and Suns. Give me the Suns in seven. I have the Suns in six. Golden State Warriors versus the L.A. Lakers. That's my matchup here, at least. Uh. A six taking on a seven seed. And give me the Lakers in six games. What an entertaining matchup that would be. LeBron on the Lakers taking on the Golden State Warriors. Just flashbacks to 2016, 2015. I would love to see it. But I would take the Lakers in six games. What do you guys have. think? I know you guys have different teams, yeah. but the matchup and the winner. I think I have the Grizzlies and the Kings, in which case I'm taking Grizzlies in six. Yeah, I got the Grizzlies and Warriors in that series, but give me the Warriors winning in another game seven. All right, then I have Phoenix taking on the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals. What an insane matchup that would be. KD taking on LeBron, but give me Phoenix in five. Yeah, I have the... Warriors and Suns, and I think this is where the Warrior reign finally ends. Suns and seven. I have the Grizzlies and Clippers. Clippers and six. Clippers okay. Cavs finals. Okay. I'm telling you. I am telling you. It is going to happen. I, I can feel it, it, but it's not. It is. Yeah, that's, not that's worse to. than saying. But when I want it to happen, but it's. But not then when happen. it does happen, I'm not going to know what. To, I'm not going to know who to. I mean, I'm going to obviously root for the Cavs more, but like underlyingly, I'll be like, "Come on, Kawhi! Like, can, can you get? Can you get one more? You know, but." All right, well, with the NBA Finals, we're going to actually want to hear from you as well because we're making this our round-the-root question for the week where we debate around the table and bring it to you via our Twitter page, at WZIP Sports. We all have different NBA Finals matchups. So the question is, who's going to win the NBA Finals? All three of our selections are going to be a pick in the poll. Then the other one is going to be other to make it as fair as possible. I mean, Pat, yours is just wild to go to you first. Hey, 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 come on now, you know. Clippers, Cavs, why not? Cavs, Cavs in six, if, if that happens. <laughs> Cavs win in the finals. Let's go. Come on, let them know. <laughs> okay. I remember saying it was 60% delusion. It's beefed up to 99%. <laughs> but I do have Phoenix and Boston in the NBA finals, and I think this is the year that Chris Paul finally gets a ring and rides off into the sunset. Suns in six. I also like the Phoenix Suns to win the NBA Finals. That is also my selection. So, for a third team in this poll, who do you guys think it should be? Should we go Celtics because that was Casey's other matchup? Yeah. Or should we go 76ers because that was my other matchup? What do you guys think? I think, yeah, you know, give it to the 76ers. Wow. Give it, okay. give it to Joel Embiid. I have too much love for Joel Embiid. Even yeah. though he torments the Cavs, I still I, I have too much love and respect for that Yeah, guy. Joel Embiid, as much as I love the guy, I still think if it's not the Suns, it's probably going to be the Celtics. I think I just made the most ludicrous pull I've ever made on our Twitter page. Because of, because of Around the Room. Yeah, and yeah. Three, <laughs> the, the pull that I'm about to tweet, these are the four uh, options, right, to win the NBA <laughs> Finals. It's the Cleveland Cavaliers, <laughs> the Phoenix Suns, which makes sense. That's both of our picks, Casey. And then the right. Philadelphia 76ers, which is just blind optimism from me, and then other. So like the Los other, Angeles Clippers, you, you left out the Celtics. <laughs> Both number one seeds are there for other in the Bucks and the Nuggets. You also have the Celtics that are number two seed there for the others. Same with the Grizzlies. So no number one, no number two seeds in the pool. Instead, we have the Cavs, Suns, Seventy <laughs> Sixers, 
And then, of course, other. If you do vote other, let us know who you think is going to win the NBA Finals in the comments of the tweet that I just sent out. Again, around the room, we want to hear from you as to who you think is going to win the NBA Finals. We're going to leave that there, though. We're going to do Hot Mike when we come back from break to start the next segment. Then we're going to get into all of the NBA, or not NBA, MLB headlines. We just went over the NBA headlines. Guys, the MLB is coming up next. I can't wait to talk about it. Pat, you can't wait to talk about it. I'm so excited. So excited. We're going to talk about the effects of the rule changes so far. Are the Tampa Bay Rays legit? And what concerns do we have about the Cleveland Guardians so far in the season? A lot more to talk about in just one more segment here on Sports Power Talk. You're not going to want to go anywhere. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the best sports talk show this side of Lake Erie. You're tuning in to Sports Power Talk live from the University of Akron. My name is Jake Murn, the host of your show today. And today I'm joined by Pat Weber. Let's go, guards. And by Casey Rush. Trade sack, please, like immediately. Yes. Please. Yes, yes. I want him off of this roster. Yes. Now. We will get into the MLB and the Cleveland Guardians here in a matter of minutes to end today's show. But what a better way to start off the last segment of today's show than with some hot mics. All right, let's get to the Twitter page. Let's get to our Twitter at WZIP Sports. Let's get to the questions that all of you have asked us here. And we'll start with Jake Mernigot. Ton of questions, as always. He says, thoughts on Mikey Williams? I am very unaware of who um, this is. So, Mikey Williams, uh, so for Jake, so I know you might not know, but uh, he was a big name on like when the ball is life was huge. Like mm. Having him... They followed him basically throughout middle school and all of high school. Uh, he was one of the highest uh, recruit, one of the highest ranked recruits going into the upcoming NCAA season. He was committed to Memphis, and unfortunately uh, for Mikey Williams, he was arrested uh, under I think for five accounts of yeah, assault with counts. a firearm. Um, re- uh, the reports say that there was an altercation at a house that Mikey Williams was at. And it ultimately led to him firing shots at a car that had five people inside of it. Uh, so he was arrested, and it's kind of like, I, yeah. it's just yeah. a very, it's a very very sticky situation. And obviously, I don't really have anything too much to comment on, sure. other than it, it is just rather sad to see a player of his caliber kind of just throw his career away over a petty argument that was yeah started yeah yeah we'll, especially uh, in the state of california where each charge carries a minimum sentence of six months in a county jail yeah, yeah it's a shame that five and it's like you know you're you're one of the most like his name alone brings your campus brings your school just so much more money so much more you know so many more fans viewership uh, probably enrollment for you know kids that want to go see this this man play for their school and you know he just kind of turned around like I said he ultimately just threw away and it, his entire life basically just based on like I said a stupid argument that just happened to arise and uh, obviously nothing's been done yet on Memphis's side but I would assume that he's going to get his scholarship revoked. He's going to get cut. He's not going to be on the roster moving forward. Yeah, it's a shame that it's a shame that he had to throw away his career over it, it really one is. argument. It's, yeah, it's dumb because he lost his temper. Yeah, it, it's it's dumb. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> that, it is. that's just like the only thing I can say is it's really stupid. 
Yeah, that it is. Next next question from Jake Mernigo. He says, first player that comes to mind when I say Boston Red Sox. Here you go, Chris. Big Pappy. Uh, Big Poppy? I got yep. Chris Sale. Yep, David Ortiz. Okay. Uh, next question from him. He says, how was your Easter? That was solid. Got to be out in beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada over the Easter weekend. Celebrated when I got back here in Ohio on Sunday. And it was, it was overall just a very relaxing uh, weekend. A lot of fun. Like I said, I got to see my family. I don't see that often. And it was it was very enjoyable. Yeah. It was pretty good. Uh, we didn't do much. Of course, I went out to dinner with my dad. And we had a pretty good time. So it wasn't too bad. Yeah, my Easter wasn't bad either. Just a nice relaxing day. Kind of didn't do any homework that day. Obviously didn't have the show. So it was a nice day off ahead of what is going to be a very busy last three weeks of the college semester on our hands. Next question from Jake Mernigot, though. This one mainly aimed towards me. It says, thoughts on Allen versus Holloway and Pedeta versus Adesanya. I'll go Allen Holloway first, the main event of the UFC fight night last night in Kansas City. Holloway looked great. I mean, what else can you say? He's one of the best boxers, if not the best boxer. I know Alex Henry and I kind of disagree on that front, but he looked great last night. And Allen didn't really bring it to him. And that's kind of why Holloway really just brought it on him and brought the striking and Allen just uh, just Arnold Allen just didn't really show up last night and then Pineda versus Adesanya I mean one of the best wins in UFC history for Adesanya to beat a guy that has beat him three times obviously twice in kickboxing once in the UFC and in the fashion that he did it to be up against the cage taking on the fury of strikes from Pineda and then all of a sudden burst out with strikes of his own, land that right hand, put Pedeta down, and then the bow and arrow celebration, him mocking his child. I mean, it was one insane scene from that fight, and congratulations to Adesanya, congratulations to Alex Henry as well, because that is one of his favorite fighters on the UFC roster. Also, Jake Mernigo asked thoughts on WWE ex-UFC, so for those of you that don't know, the parent company of UFC Endeavor bought the WWE. Vince McMahon is now back in WWE, not necessarily in charge of creative, but he does have an executive role, and to me, that spells bad news for the WWE, but honestly, as a fan of the UFC, and as a, I don't know, moderator, I guess, of the WWE, I don't really follow it as much as I do AEW, that's for certain. I'm just certain, I'm just interested in seeing how this changes both sports moving forward especially streaming deals i don't know if they're going to make their own streaming platform for the wwe and the ufc the pricing of both are very different you get peacock for six dollars a month for every single wwe pay-per-view ufc pay-per-views every single month are 75 dollars. so i'm very very curious to see how the pricing changes and how just you consume that content for both the WWE and the UFC changes based on that Endeavor deal. Next up, though, we go to Dan Groen. This question mainly at you guys. He says, between Anaheim, Columbus, Chicago, and San Jose, where would Connor Bedard have the biggest impact? Columbus, 100%. I've, I've talked to so many of my friends who just aren't Jackets fans, or maybe you're Pens fans, Flyers fans, any, anywhere in between from Kraken to... Uh, Los Angeles. They all want to see Connor Bedard put on the Columbus Blue Jackets jersey because he fits the system that we have the best. I just keep thinking over and over again 
of what the starting line for the Jackets could be. You'll have Patrick Laine and Johnny Gaudreau automatically. Zach Rowinski coming back for the defense. Massive. I would argue to say Nick Blankenberg deserves that second start over at defense. Next, Zach Rowinski. He's been playing phenomenally. One of our best young prospects coming in and out of Cleveland. I think he's officially earned his final starting spot in Columbus. Having Connor Bedard at the center would just be the icing on the cake. Uh, Elvis Merz-Lincolns, hopefully he can get something figured out in net, but I don't really attribute um, you know, his season to him just having a bad year. Our, our defense was just just abysmal as a whole, and they were letting anything by them. They were not fast. Um, but even if you know it's not Elvis in that, if we somehow sign another goalie, I mean, just having Bedard really like that. That's just the icing on the cake. He is going to be the next all-time great hockey player, and he fits the scheme the best in Columbus. Just anywhere but Chicago. The Pens have a, have a difficult time beating Chicago as it is, but I could totally see him going to Anaheim because they have a huge prospect pool over there and the jackets also ha- are in the same boat they they also have this i think the have a huge huge prospect pool and Bedard can easily turn that into a huge playoff contender or heck even a stanley cup contender easily i i think that the number 1 and number 2 pick i think in my opinion have already been shaved down to Anaheim and Columbus yeah because whichever team doesn't end up getting Bedard i mean Fantilli as the number 2 overall pick he's Equally, is he's going to make a great impact wherever he goes. He's a phenomenal hockey player, but it just so happens that there is one name that is shining brighter than his, and that is Connor Bedard. And I mean, whoever gets Bedard is going to have the, probably, like, like I said, the next all-time great playing for them. I just hope it's not Chicago because Chicago will ruin his career before it starts. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, great breakdown, guys. And if you're wanting to listen to more of these two guys talk about hockey tomorrow. SBT Overtime, wherever you get your podcasts. A little NHL playoff preview for you all. Yes. Of course, they're going to talk it's about the Pens. The and most and the underrated playoffs in any sports league in the world. I, I guess it's an NHL playoffs. It should be Stanley Cup playoffs, huh? Same difference. It's, it's I'm trying either. to learn the verbiage, <laughs> it's guys. Same I'm difference. trying. I'm trying. Puck drop and all that. You can yeah, call I'm it I'm trying. I mean, I asked Dan like two years ago when halftime was in a hockey game. and. <laughs> 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 He made a lot of yeah. He pretty much had the same there's reaction. There's two half times. In, there are there there's, are. There's two half times in hockey. We just call them intermissions. Yeah. I mean, he he pretty much had the same exact reaction. <laughs> Another question, hot mic, that is more aimed towards you guys comes from Aaliyah Craig. She has thoughts on the start of the new USFL season. I loved it. Last night was fantastic. I know it's odd because I know that in terms of viewership right now, the XFL is blowing the USFL out of the water. Uh, the only trade-off is that my XFL team that I decided to pick is horrible, so I don't feel like I want to watch them, and I can go watch my good old Breakers go Breakers. Uh, I I was ecstatic to see that they're finally back. I love the USFL. I think it is super underrated. I don't understand why it doesn't get as much love as the XFL. I mean, they're both very similar leagues. Obviously, the XFL does have direct funding from the NFL, but right. it's like, you know, show both some love. Go watch the USFL. It is Phenomenal! Uh, first touchdown of the season was actually by the Showboats. The new team got the first touchdown of the second season. That was incredible to watch, in my opinion. First time that Memphis has scored since the 80s when they were in the uh, part of the original USFL. So it was a really cool yeah. like history tying back together <laughs> sort of thing. Yeah. I loved it. Go watch the USFL. Yeah, my favorite <laughs> team from the USFL is the Maulers. They sucked last year. But, <laughs> yeah. And... 
But I love watching the entire USFL. I thought that league was run very well last year, and I look forward to seeing what they have for Season 2, and hopefully they can expand or, hell, maybe have, it's, them, it's gonna be, have them go to their respective cities. It's going to be – they don't have the funding for that. They don't they have don't. the funding for that. that that's the, it, it's the Give travel. It it's the travel. Give it time. Give it time. No, I don't see why they don't do what the XFL does. I mean, Jake, I don't know if you know what the XFL does, but they do something along the lines of where – uh, even though these teams do play in their respective cities, like, you know, you have Las Vegas, they play out in uh, Las Vegas, Nevada, um, St. Louis, but they all practice at one location in Texas, and then prior to the game, they uh, fly both teams out to their locations, have them play a game. It kind of saves them money, and that's way that way that, you know, each city still has its own location, but they're not just based out there. They only fly out there once a week for that game. I think that's something the USFL should possibly look to do. Yeah, saving money on team facilities, equipment staffs, things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly. I think it's an interesting topic of conversation with USFL and just spring football in general and the XFL and USFL kind of competing with each other as that alternate option compared to the NFL. Yeah, it's definitely interesting, and I know you guys are way more into it than I ever will be, and I hope that listeners are as well. Maybe we'll bring that back on SBT overtime as the USFL we, season. We've got two fans or two teams that are playing right down at Canton. Yeah, so. exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, one more question in Hot Mike Kelly Craig. She asks: After yesterday's performance, do you think the Cavs can take the series? Not if we yes. play like that. Not if we play like that. If, if we play like that, no. I do think we'll flip it around. And I've said it so many times today, but I'll say it just one more time: Cavs in five. <sighs> just. <laughs> We're going B- to make it out of the series in five games with the win. Just B-O-X space O-U-T. <laughs> get your rebounds, and we'll be in good shape. All right, fair enough. I still have Cavs in seven. Let's move on. Let's leave that there. Let's get into the MLB with about 14 or about 16 minutes left of show. Are the Tampa Bay Rays legit, guys? They started the season 13-0. They fell one win short of the longest winning streak to start a season in MLB's modern era. But those wins came against teams like the Tigers, the Nationals, the Athletics, the Red Sox. That's impressive, but the Detroit, Washington, Oakland, those aren't real impressive uh, wins. What do you guys think? Are they legit? I, mm, man, I, I don't. It's it's tough to say because the season is still so young. It, it it's very difficult to say at this point. Um, however, I don't I don't know. I I don't think that they are. I think they just lucked into a very very easy first few uh, series. But yeah. I mean, we've seen them drop two games very very uh, recently. They're on a two game losing streak, so it's almost right. kind of like they got lucky. And it's is, to a good team in Toronto. It is yes, to a very so. good team in Toronto, so I, I will give them that. But at the same time, it's it's still like I, I think they just lucked into how their season started and got extremely lucky with the series that they were given. Sure. Yeah, with the yeah. The Tigers, Nationals, Oakland, and then Boston. You got you gotta win those games easily. It, it's a walk in the park. Yeah, exactly. All of those. And you and it does get a little bit easier because after Toronto and you might get swept by Toronto, actually. You do have a three-game series with the Cincinnati Reds, but <laughs> still. But I just don't think you can call the Rays legitimate after just 13 games because you still got to play over 100 more games. and yeah. It's still a long season. It's, yeah. it's a long season. We're so not it, even, it's, it's we're just not so even difficult a month. to call it now. Yeah, we're not yeah. even a month into the 
we're not even a month into the season yet. It's very difficult to jump to conclusions. Yeah, I don't think they're legit either, and they're already starting to cool off, and it's just such a long season that after a 13-2 and record, sure, they have the best record in Major League Baseball, but we'll see exactly where they land in the AL East come the end of the regular season. One thing I wanted to talk about with the MLB, of course, you know, rule changes has been a huge topic of conversation so far, and now... 15 games in, we kind of know some of the impact or some of the impacts of these rule changes. So let's get into it. The pace of play is down 30 minutes compared to last season. The average game is taking two hours and 37 minutes. Offense, 1.4 more runs per game. And batting average points are up 20. Stolen bases, 1.7 attempts per nine innings. That's the highest since 2012. And the success rate is up by. from last year. I mean, all of these changes, seemingly what the MLB wanted, but are you guys still on board? Is it too quick? What do you think? I'm on board with it. I mean, the MLB, realistically, the only reason why it was starting to kind of fall is because, I mean, like you said, um, the games are finishing about 30 minutes early, and they're still going over two and a half hours. So it's still kind of like a, you know, you are losing out on like a full three-hour game, but I know also like a lot of people, when they go to see a sporting event, they might not want to spend all you know three hours plus um watching that sporting event so i think it's going very well so far i think that viewership is up because it's ultimately making the game a little more fast-paced a little more uh enjoyable for a casual fan to go watch on a day-to-day basis so i'm, I'm a fan of it obviously uh, a lot of pitchers a lot of the great dominant pitchers that we've seen in the past few seasons they're not performing quite as well because of like the pitch clock um, but that's just going to come with adapting to the more modern-day style that baseball is kind of starting to move towards. So it, it is, it, it's more fun because all the games are much more high-scoring. They're a lot more offensively-oriented, uh, and I know that's what all the fans want to see. They want to see a lot of home runs. They want to see a lot of runs scored. We're seeing an all-time high right now. So I'm, I'm a big fan of it because, Jake, I mean, you and I are a little bit more than just casual MLB fans, especially you. I know you're well beyond just the casual observer. But to like an every casual observer, you know, it's it's going about as well as you could want it to go for a sport where, you know, stereotypically people are like, oh, baseball is kind of boring to watch. But it's making it a lot more interesting, a lot more fun to sit down and watch. So I think that it's moving in a very positive direction. Yeah, all the rules that have been implemented, they've, they've grown on me because it's very fun to see all the pitchers try to adapt to this new pitch clock and as pat mentioned there has been a lot of offense that's been happening across this mlb season and that's what people really like to see out of all four major sports league sports leagues it's offense they want to see a very high scoring game for it's for the sport that is being played and i think a pitch clock is definitely helping out in that aspect yeah, I think it's going to become kind of an afterthought in a couple of months. I think this is just, just going to become the standard for baseball. The one thing I'm a little hesitant on is the in-person experience because I don't want to go up and, you know, go for a hot dog or concession, get a drink, have to stand in a line, and then come back. And because of the pace of play and the rule changes, you're gone for three innings because the line at the concession was too long. like That's a concern of mine. I haven't experienced it in person yet, but from a viewer's perspective at home, I have been enjoying these rule changes as well. MLB Player of the Week. Oh, I am so happy to be doing this segment once again. 
If you're unfamiliar, every single week, each of us picks one MLB player to feature for Player of the Week, regardless of position, and could be for accomplishments on or off the field. Casey, I think I'm going to go to you first on this one. Who is your MLB Player of the Week? Oh, God. It's very, very difficult to... I'm not sure. It's very, very difficult to pick, but if you ask me, I'm going with a little I'm going with a little bias. It's anyone other than Zach Plesic. I think it's <laughs> it's definitely not Zach Plesic. I think it's gonna be I just gonna be Jose Ramirez. I don't really have any other reasons because he did he's been improving this he did he's been improving this season and I think just give it to Jose Ramirez. It's that's the bias in me. That's your bias. Like I also am biased, and I do also have Jose Ramirez, but he has actually had a very productive week at the plate. Game-winning home run last night against Washington. A couple RBIs uh, in Friday's outing, even though even in the loss against the Yankees, still ended up, um, or two ga- or so, pardon me, uh, on Tuesday in the series against the Yankees, even though we lost 11-2 that game, still contributed one RBI, a couple hits. His bat has been the hottest on this team by far, other than maybe Miles Straw, which is right. extremely odd to me that Miles Straw is arguably the hottest bat on this team. But, I mean, Jose Ramirez, Miles like Straw I said, the, the icing on the cake right there was that last last night, that home run, to ultimately give us the win over Washington. Who else would it be for the first player of the week of the MLB season than Jose the Goat Ramirez? Guys, 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 guys. What? I'm... I love the Jose Ramirez enthusiasm here, but he's not the MLB Player of the Week. There's one answer. Because when a guy hits for the cycle, that guy is the MLB Player of the Week. It, it doesn't happen very often. It's Luis Arise of the Miami Marlins. Of course, he played like the for the Twins last season. I cannot. I, I, I can't. But you have to respect the guy hitting I, I for a cycle. I, I, yeah. I and not it. only was it a cycle, but he hit Miami's first cycle in franchise history last Tuesday. I mean, there is, there is something to be said for that. Luis Arise is the player of the week, and if the cycle isn't enough for you, his five thirty seven batting average is the best through 12 games to start a season since the year 2000. And currently, in 47 at-bats on the year, he has a five eleven batting average. He's batting over five hundred right now. Then I think how, that's a little better than Jose Ramirez. Then how come, yeah, he, how like come the ESPN isn't giving him that much attention, especially with a cycle? Well, like a cycle is very big. It doesn't happen that, off, that often. If it's not Aaron Judge, they don't want to cover him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just being honest. Hey, listen, I'm being honest. And, uh, yeah, no, I think that goes without saying that. Unless it's Aaron Judge, they do not care. They don't care. Luis Arise, the pick for MLB Player of the Week. Let's get into the Guardians, though. Of course, you guys both picked Jose Ramirez as your Player of the Week. And one of the biggest headlines around this Guardians team right now is their pitching. Aaron Savali placed on the 15-day injured list in two starts. He was 1-1 with a 2.84 ERA. With that move, the Guardians called up Peyton Battenfield, his first major league start. Going up against the Yankees, not a great team to have your first major league start against. He went 4.2 innings, four hits, one earned run, had three strikeouts. Overall, though, how concerned are we about the Guardians pitching? I am extremely, extremely concerned at this point. Right. Not not about our starting pitching, <clears throat> because outside of Zach Plesak, our starting pitching for the most part has been about the same. You know, Hunter Gaddis? 
we've had very solid outings. He's had one solid outing. All right, but let's be honest here. Like, our starting pitching, it's going about as good as it can go right now, especially being down, already to start the season, already being down Tristan McKenzie. That was already a huge blow to uh, our rotation. And now missing Savali, that's another huge blow at this point in the season. Uh, But I'm not worried about our starting pitching. I'm worried about our bullpen. Our bullpen has been horrific this season so far. I have not felt comfortable at any point in time when we have brought anybody in um, for the most part. I mean, it's I I don't even know how to explain it. It's like I almost expect that when we look to the bullpen at any point in time that any lead that we happen to have is going to get immediately smaller or we might even lose it. it. It's just been... Oh, I don't. It's just been a lot, and then Zach Plesac as well. Just I, I don't like Zach Plesac. Yeah. I, I, we don't have any leads when he's in. When he's in, we don't have a lead. We pull him, and we have to fight back the entire game. Every game that yeah. he's pitched so far this season, I think what he's only had two outings. Uh, I don't think we have to come back twice. I think if for a pitcher of of his caliber, with how good he's supposed to be, why are we finding ourselves in these deficits, needing to like claw our way back out? Against teams that we shouldn't be struggling that much against. I mean, the uh, the Nationals are not a team that we should be really struggling against. In the past two games, we have found ourselves struggling quite a bit against them. I just am wondering, you know, why are we struggling against these teams that we should easily be beating with how stacked our roster is, really? It, it's, it raises a question mark for me moving forward of, like, you know, do we look to trade, you know, maybe one or two people to just get some help in the bullpen, maybe get a better starting pitcher and move on yeah. from Zach Plesak? I don't know. See, I'm on the other side here. I think our bullpen, all things considered, has been fantastic. Because all things considered, they have pitched the most innings among any bullpen in the ma- in the majors. Right. When, you're, when you have to start going to the bullpen in the fourth or fifth inning because you have guys like Zach Plesak and Hunter Gaddis pitching and... Ugh. Let's let's face it, Cal Quantrill hasn't been great to start oh, the yeah, season no, either. Cal Quantrill yeah. has been abysmal. So the bullpen, I think they're actually playing really well. Eli Morgan's been impressive. Tim Heron, a rookie, he's been impressive. And uh Trevor Steffen, he's been getting some work in there as well. James Karinchak, I mean, he's just it's, stressful it's, every single time he goes James out there. <laughs> I like the bullpen so far. It's a starting pitching that really makes me concerned here. We have to rely on Hunter Gaddis. You guys want to take a guess what his career ERA is for Hunter Gaddis? Eight. Pat? Uh, I'm going to say probably six, six or seven-ish. Double it. Fourteen? Fourteen? Twelve. Twelve. Jeez. Twelve? Yeah, he has a career ERA of (laughs) 12.15. Zach Plesak, he has a seven ERA this year. And we have Peyton Battenfield, who's just really unproven. Sure, he had a great first start against the Yankees, but... Who knows how that's going to develop over this season. Ugh. Having those three guys, like uh. Shane Bieber, he's the workhorse. He's your guy. He's your ace. Cal Quantrill, hopefully he can get back to where he was last year. Mm-hmm. The rest of these guys, though, we yikes. need. We are in, get, We desperately need Tristan McKenzie back in this rotation. Yes, we do. So desperately. Get rid of and get rid of Zach Plesic while you're at it. Well, because because I, we have had a lot yeah. of miserable outings. We've been... Yes, he's one and yeah, he may be one and zero oh on the stat sheet, but it was in spite of him, not because of him. Sure. Yeah, I, uh, I don't know. I'm just, I'm hoping that 
the pitchers in our starting rotation, you know, start to get it figured out. But if not, I mean, I would say that our best option would probably be to move away from Zach Plesak because mm. in terms of uh, the starting pitchers that we have that I would be willing to move on from that we can get a value out of, I think Plesak is the one we could get the most return, I guess. Maybe, yeah. I just, I don't know at this point. I mean, it's still, like we said, it's, it's such a fresh season and offensively we've never seen the league at this point, like this stage of the season being, you know, this fast pace, this high offensive caliber. So I guess it's like a just wait and see thing, but I don't know. Like just the pitching in general has been questionable, which is odd because normally that's the polar opposite of what Guardians, Indians, whichever you still call them, whatever. That's not what we're used to. We're used to seeing our bats not being able to get hot where our pitching is stellar, and we're seeing the polar opposite of that. Yeah, and thankfully today we don't get to see Plesak take the mound. We get to see Shane Bieber take the mound today against the Nationals as the Guardians look for their first sweep on the season. I have confidence in that because Patrick Corbin with a 70 RA is oh, pitching for so the Nationals. I feel so confident going into this game. Yeah. I feel oh, yeah. abundantly confident. I do too. And then this upcoming week for the Guardians, they play Detroit on the road and then Miami next weekend at home at Progressive Field, and certainly those are two good matchups for the Guardians as well. That is going to do it for the March 16th edition of Sports Power Talk. We talked about Zips basketball, the NBA playoffs, the NFL, not really the NFL, actually, the MLB, and so much more. Any last thoughts on today's show, gentlemen? Dan Snyder, don't think we forgot about you. I am glad you're gone. Everybody (laughs) else thinks you're gone. Is glad you're gone. Goodbye, Dan Snyder. See you never. I have a message to, I have a message to New York Knicks fans. <clears throat> All right, so I just happen to be scrolling through social media, and uh, I'm seeing how they're acting after one win, saying Knicks in three and how confident they are. Oh, I'm sorry. Remember what happened last year when you did that to Trey Young? Who you're boiling over with Donovan Mitchell <laughs> oh, there, buddy. Fair <laughs> enough, Pat. No final take out of me today, but guys, the countdown has started. Today was my fifth to last sports power oh. talk. Oh, no. Yeah, I know. I graduate in three weeks' time, which means I have four more shows after today, and I'm prepared to make them as memorable as possible. So you're going to want to stay tuned for more sports power talks in the future. Only four more. I can't believe it. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at WZIP Sports. And if you haven't checked out our podcast yet, then what are you doing? Go to wherever you get your podcast search for SPT Rewind and SPT Overtime, wherever you get your podcast with new episodes every single week. Joining me on today's show were Patrick Weber, Casey Rush. My name is Jake Murin. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of Sports Power Talk. And until we do it all again next Sunday, be kind and be safe to one another. Acker and SPT is going to be back same time and place next week on 881 WZIP.